welcome back to CHGO White Sox podcast and welcome into Studio A. We're back here. It is me, myself, and I, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on the great Twitter machine. That guy to my left is the CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. Follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber, and the guy who's giving you a thumbs up in the... Uh, if you're watching on YouTube right now, sorry, podcast people, you can't see the great Sean Anderson. He's on assignment right now. So as Sean says, hit the like button if you're here to watch some delicious and great White Sox coverage. We're already up to Yolmer Sanchez likes. Oh, my goodness. I like so to keep them coming. I mean, Ray Durham. But yes, both second basemen. One won a gold glove and then got immediately DFA'd. Non-tendered. Um, non-tendered. Oh, get, it, get, it, get the language sorry. right there, Herb. Yes. Um, on today's show, we have a decent amount for you. We're going to get into those rumors that Dylan Cease, uh, you know, he might get traded before the winter meetings. He got, might get traded during the winter meetings. But it seems like all arrows are pointing to Dylan Cease no longer being a White Sox in 2024. So we'll get to the rumors and give you our opinions on what is going on there. And also, uh, right now, we will be talking about the winter meetings because I don't know if you guys know this. Myself, Vinny, and our uh, head of content, Kevin Kadick, will be down there in Nashville starting on Monday to cover the winter meetings in Nashville. I think the, the Opryland will be talking to Dolly Parton every day, seeing what she's got to say about the White Sox and getting all the information from the baseball folks around there. But I've never been to a winter meetings ever in my life. And so I'm excited about it. This is the time I always look forward to in the offseason when I'm at my house. I'm like, okay, this is the time where the White Sox strike because this is where they signed, I think, Melky Cabrera in years past. The same offseason they got David Robertson. And I think they got Jeff Samarja that same offseason. I believe it was in San Diego at that time. I looked it up, Vinny. The last time they had a winter meetings in the city of Chicago, which they used to do often, was 1948. Ah, I wasn't at that one. I wonder why they don't do it anymore. But <laughs> one person that has been at many winter meetings is Vinny Duber. Uh, I think you missed last one because you were uh, in Australia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this will actually be my first one since 2019, since yeah. pre-pandemic times. So, because they didn't have them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they didn't have them in 2020 and 2021 because of the pandemic. Last year, I was uh, in a different hemisphere, so uh, couldn't attend. But yeah, this will be my hopefully triumphant return to the winter meetings. So the breakdown is like they're going to have, you know, the managers, the current uh, managers and the contributors get into the Hall of Fame the day before we get there. So that announcement is going to happen on the 3rd. On the fifth is where they get the draft lottery uh, assimilated. So the White Sox had the fourth uh, best chance to get the number one pick. The top three teams have the same amount of uh, odds, I think 16% to get the number one pick. And I think the White Sox are at 13.4. So they can possibly get the number one pick. But as Vinny has always said, it doesn't matter in baseball. This person is going to be years away, and they might not even make it to the major league. So getting the number one pick in this draft really doesn't matter. But, you know, it'll be something for it's us. It's good. It's better, than, it's better than all the other picks, yeah. but it doesn't mean you're going to get the pick right. Exactly. So <laughs> what do should I expect and the folks who are listening on CHGO White Sox expect when we get down to the winter meetings? What exactly goes down in the winter meetings, and why is such a flurry of activity down there? Well, uh, I think the main reason is that they're meeting. You know what I mean? It's right in the title. And, and you have all of the baseball ops people from every organization all in one place talking to each other for multiple days. And I think when you 
are able to sit down and have those in-person meetings. You make those connections, you play on those relationships, you get down to the nitty gritty, right? You know, it's not like, oh, I'll text you back in a few days and, and let you know how we feel. You're in the room. Let us know how you feel right now. And not only that, but you can then bounce to another room and talk to that guy and, and bounce to another room. And all of a sudden, all this stuff is happening lightning quick because everybody's right there. Um, on top of it all, guess who else is there? All the player agents. When you talk about free agents, right? So, Player agents are going to sit there and have meetings with every single team, with every, with everybody that they uh, want to go with. So that's why that right there increases the activity in this specific week. And then you have the contributing factor, too, of what if the top domino falls while you're at the winter meetings, right? That means another, a bunch of other dominoes could start falling right away within minutes of that happening. So you've seen that before in winter meetings past where – starting best starting pitcher on the market decides that he's going to sign with team x and so all of a sudden here they go starting pitcher two three four five all all in a row like that uh you've seen it before doesn't mean it's going to happen this year but it but it, it certainly can happen it's the proximity of all those people the fact that they're literally having meetings with each other on a regular basis um and then the activity happens there one thing can happen to kind of set everything off uh, and then on top of it, too, Herb, you and I, when when we're growing up as baseball fans, really, you know, loved this week because a bunch of stuff would happen. Yes. It was that time in the calendar when it's time to get work done kind of thing. And, and you know, it, teams tried to kind of have their guys in place kind of around New Year's or not too long after New Year's. You know, you had fan conventions coming up and planning for spring training that was coming up. That's kind of been kicked out the window over the last – five or five or six years or so in terms of guys sometimes even the biggest free agents on the market waiting until spring training already starts to go ahead and sign who knows if this year is going to be a year like that we've had years in the past where that was like the main story everybody showed up to spring training and there were still you know 10 of the top free agents hadn't signed kind of thing um that's changed a little bit in years past but i do think now that it's kind of a year-by-year basis you know, in terms of what kind of will happen. So uh, we'll see what next week looks like in terms of uh, the amount of activity, the volume of activity. I would think a team like the White Sox is probably going to be having an awful lot of meetings, and we're going to talk about why coming up later in the show. But if you're a team that's got guys to trade, the teams that are – everybody uh, that, that you want your uh, – trade partners to be are all staying in the same hotel as you. And so just so like, no, when you go on in the past, is it – all the front office from the White Sox, including Jerry Reinsdorf, or is it just the the pretty much the general manager, assistant general managers going to the winter meetings, or is it everybody in the organization for the most part, including the managers who are down there? Well, the managers are definitely going to be there. We'll, we'll, we'll have a, a chance to talk to Pedro in a press conference setting, you know, and, and the 29 other press corps will have their chance to talk to the 29 other managers in a press conference setting over those few days. Um, and then we'll get to meet with Chris Getz, you know, a couple times, uh, you know, once – you know, once probably on Monday, once on Tuesday, and, and who knows, maybe beyond that. But uh, I, it is my understanding, I don't know the entire roster of people that, that go, but that different uh, jobs, different departments have their kind of league meeting at the winter meetings oh, okay. kind of thing. So, you know, let's say you work in, I don't know, I don't even know what, communications or something for the White Sox. You you have a thing to do at the winter meetings, right? Christine O'Reilly will be there. <laughs> I don't, again, I don't know the specifics, <laughs> but I know that I, I, I'm pretty sure that there are, 
you know, multiple things. It's not just like, all right, this is where the GMs get together and everybody else do whatever. It's like, all right, this department has meetings. This department has meetings. This department has meetings. So obviously it's a chance for everybody in baseball to get together. You will see much of minor league baseball there at the same time. They have a a giant uh, presence there as well. So uh, it it really is kind of an industry-wide thing. You know, I I think fans, you know, see – MLB Network and ESPN, they'll see us broadcasting from this thing and be like, oh my God, it's this big event. I need to go. There's nothing for you to do there. Trust me. There's nothing for fans to do there. It is uh, a thing for people who work in baseball and then the folks like myself who uh, get a chance to uh, talk about what's going on with these guys. But uh, other than that, it's not like some sort of, uh, you know, music festival set up where you can uh, run around. It's a little, little less exciting than that if you're not participating. So I shouldn't come. I mean, you can come to help us, I suppose, but uh, if you're just like going to go there with your foam finger and try to have some fun, there's Baseball. probably not a lot, not, not a lot of fun Baseball. for you. <laughs> Hit ball. Yeah, I was thinking too, like Nashville just seems like a weird place because there's no major league team in Nashville. I've seen them in San Diego, seen them in different places in Miami. I think Dallas has hosted a couple, but where is your favorite place that you've been as these winter meetings? I don't know how you've been to, you said you haven't been to one since 19, but where's the favorite place? You know, I don't know. You're probably working the whole time. So you really don't go out and see the actual atmosphere of that city, but what's your favorite place to go? Yeah. So I've been to three. I've been to uh, winter meetings in uh, Orlando, Florida. I've been to winter meetings in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I've been to uh, winter meetings in San Diego, California. San Diego is by far the best. Um, The location is great. They usually have it at a a hotel there that's right down on the water Mm. and then within walking distance of the the gas lamp quarter there, um, which is... Plenty of establishments to to, to oh, go yeah. ahead, which again there is then not farther from or not too far from downtown. If you want to branch out a little bit more, as you know, Herb. Um, so it's a good, it's in a good spot in uh, in San Diego. Also, I love San Diego and just like going to that city. Uh, Vegas, it's usually in a hotel casino right on the Strip. I'm not a huge Vegas guy, uh, so it's not really my cup of tea. I guess if you want to gamble, though, and you love the casinos, then that's a good one for you. Um, and then the Orlando one's at Disney World. Uh, so it's a little tough because you're isolated. You know what I mean? You're not in a city where you can go to various places if you want to, you know, have a drink or a, a meal. You know, you're stuck kind of at Disney World. So uh, again, Disney World, the happiest place on earth. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who would love uh, to go to Disney World on a work trip. But remember, you're not getting to, you know, go on the Pirates of the Caribbean with your team's general manager. You have to uh, stay in the uh, stay in the hotel and, and talk to him there. I'm looking forward to Nashville. I've been there before with my fiance Courtney. We went like two years ago or maybe last year. It's a good city. I understand why people, you know, poo-poo it because of its, you know, nature of being a bachelorette city and it's kind of a, you know, one strip of that Broadway and then, you know, people say, you know, get off of Broadway, get to see the city a little bit more but I'm looking forward to seeing the city again and then also seeing all the baseball luminaries just pass us by i know we're not going to speak to all of them but uh, a ken rosenthal walking past us uh, a jeff passan you know see how tall they are match them up with us and see all the the white Sox people i i don't think i've uh, ever 
uh, said hi to Pedro. I mean, maybe not on the show or anything like that, but I would love to get him on the show to talk to him and see what his uh, thoughts are. But just to say, hey, Pedro, this is CHGO White Sox. He already knows you. Of course, he's your established there, but I want to uh, rub elbows with him real quick and just say, hey, face to the name. This is a guy that's been talking smack about you. I'm not hiding. Hi, how you doing? This is uh, this is uh, our show. If you want to join us, you're more than welcome to. If not, I understand because we've been saying some harsh things. Well, I've been saying some harsh things about you. And so, yeah, that'll be good times just to see the people that we get to talk about on a daily basis and to see the action the flurry of action that goes on in the winter means as I said this is kind of the Super Bowl for White Sox fans because this is the culmination of what all Chris Getz has been working for and it might not be the end of it but it's like okay this is the time he will probably be put on a big pedestal because he has Dylan Cease as his main guy out there. And a lot of people are talking about it and we'll get to Dylan Cease and what his uh, market is in the future. But besides Dylan Cease, there are a lot of White Sox available to be traded this offseason. Because if you've already committed to the plan or if you already got the rumors out there that Dylan Cease might not be on your team, and it's pretty much a fait accompli to my liking or to my thoughts reading these uh, rumors that he's going to be gone before the 2024 season starts, you might as well go all out and... The only reason I'm not including Luis Robert Jr. in these discussions is because I've said it before. You don't get enough actual value for Luis Robert Jr. And the four years he has remaining at $17 million annual average value is a steal. And the team would have to give you a lot of players to get uh, that type of value back. And I don't think any team in the major leagues either wants to depart with the talent that they have to go with or have the talent that they would have to depart with. So how many players do you think the White Sox, do you think the whole roster, except for Luis Robert, is available in this offseason? Like, is Aloy Jimenez available? Is Yohan Makata available? Is Andrew Vaughn, which is, that's the one that I want to think about. Is Andrew Vaughn, the guy that they love, they got that they drafted a couple of years ago, is he available this offseason? I mean, to answer your question, I do think everybody's available. I think that includes Luis Robert Jr. And the thing is, though, available for the for the right price. Yes. And, and I think uh, in the eyes of the White Sox, obviously in the eyes of everybody, Luis Robert Jr. would cost you a very very large price to in order to get him but i think when you look at a guy like andrew vaughn yeah if someone calls up and say hey hey chris gets i want to talk to you about andrew vaughn and acquiring him in a trade chris gets job is to say okay what I, i'll take this guy this guy this guy and this guy as the return and the other guy can go and eh, let's not do that that way but chris gets job is to listen to what the offer is right his he he cannot say no i don't want to trade andrew vaughn even if he doesn't want to trade andrew vaughn or Luis robert or, or whoever else his job is to say okay let's hear what you got to say so um i think everybody is available i think you will see i, I think you will see the names of Many different players involved in rumors as time goes on or involved in at least speculation as time goes on this offseason. But that price is going to fluctuate based on a variety of factors, or I should say fluctuate from player to player based on a variety of factors. And I think Andrew Vaughn, the fact that he is not making very much money at all, the fact that he's under club control for a very long time, and the fact that this is the team that spent the number three pick in the draft on him and has had the expectations that they have for him for the longest time, that's probably going to make the price a little higher than than you might think just by looking at the stat stat line, right? So um, I think 
that you're going to see a number of players, though, their names popped up in, in trade rumors. Obviously, the Cease ones are dominating conversation right now, but we've already heard some speculation about whether Aloy Jimenez is going to be on the White Sox by the time opening day rolls around. I would imagine if a team called wanting to talk about Yoan Moncada, that would be a, 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 a conversation that Chris Getz would be willing to have as well, even if the likelihood of him departing because of that uh, uh, salary that he makes is perhaps not very high. But I, I truly think that unless you are a really young guy with just, you know, and I'm talking Colson Montgomery young, you know, in, in terms of the amount of time into the future that this team can hold on to you, I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to um, – stick their nose up at the idea of trading anybody, uh, you know, as long as their price is met. Do you think, I would say that Luis Robert is the number one in the organization, untouchable if you have to say that. Do you think Colson Montgomery is number two? Probably. Yeah, because yeah. I think they, they're banking think- a lot on what he is and what he projects to be. But I also think that you, if somebody is coming for you and they say this this imperfect prospect is our guy that we're going to want to have in, a, in the future and that guy's not on the team right now, you can get some equal value that maybe help you down the road. I would listen to that and maybe even pull the trigger because after that report that uh, Sean read about his defense, I'm like – He's not going to play shortstop in the major leagues unless he improves vastly. Like, he is a butcher right now, and he's had back problems last year. So I don't know who, how he's going to get much better than he is. And to be a major league shortstop, you got to be pretty decent with the glove. No, he can move to third because Yoan Moncada will be gone next year. So the bat will play. But I would want the Chris Sale – Chris Sale – Chris Getz to go into this winter meetings just with an open mind for every single body to be – available and traded and I think he has the best seat too he's in the catbird seat while being an inexperienced first year uh, general manager he has no pressure on him in 2024 to compete he has no pressure on him to rebuild this team at any speed yes Jerry said he would like to get it done faster but we see with the first moves that he's done in his uh, uh, offseason that it's placeholders like you get the Nicky Lopez maybe to play second base every day. Then you get Paul DeYoung to play for one year under $1.75 million. And then you're looking to trade Dylan C. So it looks like this year is just going to be a downshift, and he has no no pressure on him. So I feel like as a first-year general manager with no pressure on him, he is in the catbird seat to just get deals done without any extra added value and extra added pressure on him to get the job done. And that's what I was worried about initially because of um, Jerry wanted speed and he wanted to do it for the fans. I'm glad that Chris is going the opposite way of what we perceived Jerry saying in that meeting. And I'm not trying to put words in Jerry's mouth, but when you guys talked to him, what we perceived was Jerry wanted to get get on the ball rolling and get it uh, get it going soon in 2024. It seems like next year, Chris Getz is like, no, we're good. Well, I mean, I think, I think those two guys and what they said and, and what was talked about back in August can – it can look – you can – those words were delivered in a way where both of them can be true at the same time. And I Plausible think, deniability? Well, I don't even think that they were thinking that way. I'm okay. just saying Jerry never said, I hired Chris because I think he can build an AL Central contender for 2024. He didn't get that specific, right? Yeah, yeah. He said he hired Chris Getz because he thinks that Chris can get it done faster than anybody from the outside. Correct. And maybe he can. 
but faster than anybody from the outside does not mean one off season. Okay. Uh, and you're seeing from Chris Getz moves that point to something very methodical, right? Point to something that is looking more akin to what White Sox remember from 2016, right? The strip down to begin a lengthy years long rebuilding process. But just because they are doing something like rebuilding, I'm just going to call it rebuilding, but they're not going to. So I'm just going to say it um, <laughs> doesn't mean that it's going to take as long in the plan, right, that Chris has as the plan that Rick Hahn had, yeah. you know. And so there's probably a middle ground between the idea that Jerry thought it could be done in a year, which I, he didn't say that he did, but the the impression that you and some others had that it would be done quick and the wow, rebuild, that means what we saw Rick Hahn do. That took five, six years kind of thing. There's probably a middle ground there, which is what Chris is probably trying to do, which, uh, you know, might not point to them being very good or any good next year. But two, uh, two two seasons from now, 2025, might be like, okay, this is what they're planning for. It doesn't necessarily preclude them from being are trying to contend two years from now, even if this year, you know, it doesn't look like it. After the break, we'll talk about what the show is all about. Dylan Cease and these latest rumors that he might be getting moved before or during the winter meetings. But firstly, I started eating hero bread because... I have type 2 diabetes. I don't know if you guys know that, but I'm getting personal with you. But I didn't want to give up my favorite foods like bread, sandwiches, wraps, quesadillas, all that good stuff. And Hero Bread has made it great for me, and I'm sure it'll make it great for you when you try it out. If you need a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle or dietary constraints, founder Cold Glass baked 100 muffins per day. Herb, that's so many muffins. That's way too many muffins in my opinion, but I, don't, I didn't make Hero Bread. What did he do with all the stumps? <laughs> See, I don't, I get that reference, but you know, you people at home get it. We were talking before the show about my, you know, lack of watching things like lack of cultural knowledge. Exactly. (laughs) Like a curb your enthusiasm in Seinfeld. All those references go over my head. I'm going to keep making them. And also Star Wars too. I've never seen those, but uh, yes, I'm a contrarian by nature. Um, He made a hundred muffins per day before he found out the perfect blend that fit into those allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. I know when I mentioned that it has zero net carbs and 80 calories and 15 grams of protein for the flour tortillas, you're thinking that taste has to be garbage, Herb. Absolutely not. It tastes exactly like your favorite flour tortilla you're eating now, but much better for you. Discount code for your first purchase. When you put in CHGO, it's 10% off at Hero.co. Hero Bread makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available at Hero.co and at Amazon. And like I said, fewer calories, 80 calories in the flour tortilla, and the nation-leading, it's lower calories than the nation-leading brands that you guys consume now, but 15 grams of protein in the flour tortillas per serving, you guys are going to enjoy it. I had one today on my uh, chicken uh, wraps, just delicious. Right now, Hero Bread is offering CHGO fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code CHGO. Save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot co. And save 10% on Hero Bread today. And if you are in the market for a new vehicle, if you are, there's some great news for you. Because we're on the same team as the Ray, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram team in Fox Lake. 
At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and find unforgettable savings. And right now, literally right now is the last time during the Black Friday sales event at Ray CDJR at Fox Lake. 0% financing is now available on all new models all month long. But that's not all. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at RayCDJR slash service. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out our team at Ray Chevy or Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. For more information, visit Ray CDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. I believe that ends today, guys, so get on it, November 30th. Get on it today. And, Sarah, I would like to go to that first thing where we're talking about John Paul Morosi and his reported activity that's been going on lately. The other one, if you could. Um, John Paul Morosi yesterday at John Morosi sources. Dylan Cease trade talks have intensified over the last 48 hours. Some people close to the negotiations believe a deal before the winter meetings is increasingly possible. Cease hometown Braves are among the finalists. And so when we heard this yesterday, it was like right before the show. So we didn't really talk about it that much. So it was very not shocking, but it's the fact that they're ramping up. These were just rumors that maybe his name was shopped out there. But when you get credible people like John Morosi, and we'll get to the Ken Rosenthal tweet in a second, putting this information out there, this is just this is informed speculation. And maybe people have been talking to some people in the industry. His name being floated out there with up to twelve teams have been reached out from the to the White Sox. That is very exciting to me. Even though I don't want to lose Dylan Cease. I'm excited about the return that's going to come back because I believe that Chris Kitts, like I said before, is in the catbird seat. He will not settle for anything less than he believes that he can get. What's your uh, outside view of what's going on in the national scene for Dylan Cease and all these teams trying to acquire him? Yeah, I mean, I think, Sarah, if you put up the 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 information from Ken Rosenthal, which is certainly the, uh, you know, almost the opposite of what uh, of what John had to report there, uh, basically saying that Chris Getz could hold on to Dylan Cease and wait for some of the other uh, top free agent pitchers to sign, see who can get a little bit more desperate and which teams might be able to give him a little bit more there. Um, you know, obviously you've got some big names out there in Blake Snell and in, in Yamamoto coming over from Japan. There are going to be teams in on those guys who could end up being very much in on Dylan Cease. I mean, I, I think I saw a great point made by, I don't remember who it was. It was someone on Twitter today. It, it might have been one of the 35th uh, Sox on 35th guys. Um, apologies if it was someone different. But um, that made the point, which was a really good one. You had a, uh, a, a signing today, Nick Martinez, uh, you know, getting a free agent deal two years, $24 million, I think, over two years. Dylan Cease is probably going to make that amount of money in the next two years, right? He's going to make a little bit over projected to make a, over $8 million in arbitration this year. If things continue going, that number will jump up uh, for his 2025 salary uh, through arbitration. He, I think everybody would tell you, is a p- pitcher you'd re- that is going to be preferred to be in, in your rotation to someone like Nick Martinez. No mm-hmm. offense to Nick <laughs> Martinez, of course, but... Dylan Cease is a guy who can be a potential ace. And if in terms of dollars, it's going to cost you the same amount. That's a heck of a, that's a heck of a bargain that you're getting for Dylan Cease. Uh, And that probably, and this is the point that was made. 
could get Chris Getz to say, "All right, I don't have to. I don't have. A, I don't have to rush at all. Give me what I want. Give me and and what I want is going to be a high asking price, yep. and it should be because you're seeing the types of value, the type of market that is being set for starting pitchers around the league. We've seen the St. Louis Cardinals, another team that's been reported to be interested in Dylan Cease, make some starting pitching moves that. They paid for it. They oh, paid yeah. for dollar-wise. Listen, Sonny Gray is a great pitcher, mm-hmm. but the other guys they signed, you know, I mean, your Lance Lynn and uh, who's the Gibson. other one they got? Kyle Gibson, M-I-Z, how did I forget? But, uh, <laughs> you know, these are guys who are getting, you know, teams jumping out to try to get their services. They didn't put up the greatest batch of numbers last year. Uh, Dylan Cease is a guy who is going should demand a very, very large return package because a team that might not or a team that might be looking to save some money yeah. over the next two years, but still get that uh big dollar, that big money value from Dylan Cease, that big money performance, I should say, uh, might be willing to cough up some prospects in order to do that. And so when I look at what Ken Rosenthal had to say in the athletic, that to me strikes as more likely because it's it's Chris Getz not eliminating suitors, perhaps, but saying the the teams that are left standing, they're only they're only going to want Dylan Cease more because they they no longer have the ability to say, well, we didn't trade for Dylan Cease, we can go get Blake Snell. We don't want to offer as much for Cease as maybe uh, uh, Chris Getz is asking for. But in the reverse, team Team X signs Blake Snell. Team Y is going to be like, well, I got to have Dylan Cease now. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, the price that Chris Getz is asking for is all you can do in order to get him. In my view, I think that having more teams available to bid for his services is more advantageous for the White Sox. But I get what you're saying, because once those teams do lose out on free agent X, Y, or Z, they're going to be looking at the White Sox and say, oh, yeah, remember we were talking to you before the winter meetings and we didn't want to give up that guy you were talking about? okay, here, here's that guy. And so you get your deal that you were already looking for. And a desperate team is a team that you want to deal with more than a team that has more options where if you're saying, hey, I want, let's put the Orioles out there, I want Heston Kerstad, I want Joey Ortiz, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, Egh. or Colton Kowser, ah, uh, no, nah, we're good. And then they're really not in the market for those big-time guys. But once those markets do dry up, like you said, like Lance Lynn was at the middle to bottom of the free agent market. He wasn't even looked at, in my opinion, as a big-time guy that you need to jump out in the market to get. But he lives in Southern Illinois, close to St. Louis, so it was a natural fit. He's already been a Cardinal, so I understand that. Same thing with Kyle Gibson. Um, but, you know, when you don't, you know, don't have uh, available free agents to pick up and the Orioles are in the AL East and they see the Yankees go and get a big time arm or they see the Blue Jays go and get a big time arm like, yeah, we won the division last year, but damn, we got to go and match that. And we have all these prospects. All of them can't play. We have a glut here in our team, so we might as well go out and get one of the best pitchers in baseball for a very inexpensive price. Our owners will be happy with us. Our fans will be happy with us. Everything will be set, and then we're all, all we're giving up is prospects that might work out for the White Sox, and we don't really care about that. We care about competing in the AL East and maybe winning a World Series. So, yeah, I see your point, and I think maybe that might be the way that Chris Getz goes. I'm excited to see what how this young – general manager maneuvers because that first trade while not exciting five players for one he got Aaron Bummer off this team and got five bodies that might work out 
two of these guys might be in the starting rotation next year. And you, you're definitely going to have Nicky Lopez playing some type of uh, position for the White Sox, be it second base, spelling for uh, DeYoung at shortstop, or playing every day at second base. So you're going to have actual bodies for a person that, let's be real, last year wasn't that great, but has value around the league. So I could see Chris Getz with that first deal, knows what he's doing initially, and I think he can push this into this winter meetings and say, hey, man, I'm running things here in the winter meetings. This is my winter meetings, and you guys got to come to me, not the opposite way around. And I would love for him to do either way. If he wants to trade Dylan Cease right now, he sees the offer that he wants, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold on to him anymore. Just, like, hit the button. Done. I'm over. But if he also doesn't see that, that offer and he waits back until January and says, we can just keep Dylan Cease, guys. That's an option for us. That's that works out for us, and we'll just pick up some of these uh, uh, also rands on the, the tra- trade market and get some uh, starting pitchers to fill out spots six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. We'll be good for that. So uh, it's a great time to be the White Sox and the White Sox fans. I know it's very, very sad coming off a sixty-one and one-on-one season. But this is the time I feel that White Sox fans should relish. This is the team building time where we got something new for the first time in 20 years. So I'm going to put my faith in Chris Getz and hope he does the job right. But let me take you to Dylan Cease. He's been traded one time already in his professional career when he got traded from the Cubs to the White Sox when he was a minor leaguer. What do you think that person's thinking? He's kind of relaxed. He's a kind of an enigma to me, like very relaxed and chilled but a beast on the field. What do you think that guy's thinking as far as his name being bantied about all around uh, winter meetings this offseason? Well, I'll start with Dylan Cease specifically, and I think you can tell basically from the way that he acts in regards to his job, which is pitching, that he's a hard guy to phase, right? And, and I think that if there's anybody who's kind of built for this type of roller coaster of speculation – he might be that guy because it just kind of seems that he's pretty good at rolling with the punches and focusing on what he thinks he needs to focus on from a day-to-day basis. Now, when it, when he's not, you know, having to take the ball every fifth day, you know, yeah. if this were if this were July instead of uh, instead of the end of November, early December, might be a little bit easier because he's got an actual job to do. Um, but still, I, I think his personality is probably pretty good for this. In general, though, this sucks for players just because they don't know they don't have the knowledge we hear how many times do we hear over and over again somebody gets traded or 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 some other transaction happens oh yeah i I saw about it on twitter i heard about it on twitter there's a rumor yeah somebody sent me a text that said that my name was in a trade conversation on twitter we heard that just this past year at the trade deadline uh it sucks because you are employed with a team you have a role with a team and in a lot of cases you like your role with your team and here you've got a bunch of people who you are not talking to talking constantly about where you might be going and it might be changing by the hour right and and so you know there's probably people texting Dylan C saying hey saw that uh you might be going to play for the Dodgers huh that's kind of cool he's like what that's I didn't hear nobody's told me anything about that and so and and then we've heard too I believe it was Lance Lynn last year who had the extensive comments about maybe a lack of communication with the front yes. office. It's 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 easy to sympathize with that. Hey guy, you're my you're my boss. You're the guy who's supposedly having these conversations. Why aren't you telling me about it? Why aren't you seeking my input on it? 
at the same time, Rick Hahn's retort at the time, and I think all, which also made sense, was, listen, some of this stuff is not true. I don't have I'm, – I'm not going to – T- call text the player or call the player and be like and give them a play-by-play of what's going on if there's nothing to update them on right and so it's very it's a very difficult tightrope to walk probably there's probably a middle ground there where you should maybe be shooting a text off every once in a while hey this is what we're thinking but it's not a done deal we'll let you know when we've got some some more info and maybe they're not at that point with Dylan Cease maybe Chris Getz isn't that far down the road in trade conversations where Dylan would have to be notified but I just know that in general this is a it's a crummy situation to be in if you're a player because you've got a bunch of people who aren't involved in this decision talking about you your life changing your life being uprooted and moved to another city and 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 everything about it changing in in some cases maybe you don't want to leave you know but uh, this is a um that's the world we live in and i think a lot of these guys know that and so you know they know how to react they know how to handle it but it doesn't make it fun and even though his agent is scott boris dylan cease has zero power in this like he is arbitration eligible he is property of the white Sox. they can trade him to any team that they desire to trade him to and that's why when you get those brush brushbacks from people like when um was it rodriguez this past season didn't want to go to la this is why you put in the no trade clauses for multiple reasons for that where rodriguez's kids are going to schools in detroit and to uproot them in the middle of the, or actually the beginning of the school year and get a new house, et cetera, et cetera, is troubling to the whole family. And so, you know, you saw that last year with Jake Berger where he's playing a baseball game in Texas and then he gets traded to Miami and then they play in Texas immediately. Like they have to, he has to go from Texas to Miami, back to my uh, Texas, and he has a wife, a child. They're traveling with them, and so it's like jarring when you get traded like that. And so that's why they put those trade dead, uh, trade clause in there. And another reason they do that is so they can have some control. So if you are in talks at the end of a year or right for the trade deadline, and they're saying, hey. My trade people or my uh, no trade clause are for the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies, and all the teams that are in contention, usually. The reason why most players do that is so they can negotiate something better for themselves, a.k.a. Max Scherzer, who negotiated another year on his contract for the Texas Rangers for this upcoming season in 2024. It's not like he didn't want to get traded from the Mets. They were horrible. Of course they wanted to get off that, that uh, Titanic. But he parlayed that money into him, you know, for himself. And so this is why I am 100% a player advocate. Get your, get your money when you can and put all those no trade clauses in there. Because as Vinny says, yeah, you're making millions of dollars. You're playing a game, a child's game. But also, this is real life for you. This is your occupation. Like to, I'm sure Dylan still has some things up here in Chicago that he, you know, maybe a temporary apartment or his all of his equipment's up here and all the, uh, the relationships he made as a White Sox pitcher are up here. And to be jolted and moved out of that situation and gone to another situation, like from Arizona to Florida, if he gets traded to a team that's in different spring training, is jarring. So I am an advocate for all players to do exactly what they need to do to get their money and make sure that they're sound in the place that they signed a deal in. So this is going to be exciting times because, as Vinny says, once that first uh, once that first domino hits, all the rest will fall down. I don't know if uh, Shohei Tani's going to get signed here, but 
I'm looking forward to the winter meetings. After the break, we will wrap the show up. But before all that, is it 588-2300, Vinny? <laughs> Boy, is it, Herb. Empire. Empire Today. And with Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and that wonderful low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats. But Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, speed, so competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't even put in theirs. But Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively comes through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And you know what? If you want to see... What that floor is going to look like in your house, you got to use that virtual floor designer that they've got over there at Empire. It's a great way to see how those floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. Ridiculous. But flooring is all Empire Today does. They live and breathe flooring. You know, Herb, mm-hmm. as I've been saying, they get down on the ground and they inhale flooring. That's how they breathe it. <laughs> so you can be confident that you're getting honest and upfront advice. Don't do that, Sarah. Don't try it at home. I do like the smell of like nail polish removal, though. That's nice. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> what? Sarah. What's Sarah. I'm talking about like distinct, weird smells. Mm. Mm. <laughs> well, don't do that, Sarah. Whether you're not, whether you're, <laughs> I don't even know how to move on from that. Here's what you should do. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 oh, off okay. discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply, but see empiretoday.com slash CHGO for all the relevant details. I'm going to talk about a place that I went to after I did yesterday's show. It is called Midtown Athletic Club. There's four locations in the Chicagoland area. Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn on the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown, Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in middle of Bucktown in Lincoln Park. That's where I went yesterday with the rest of the CHGO fam that was already there. Great facilities. Just and they laid out the red carpet for us. It was just awesome place to be. I love the people over there. John, I think who was the president, got met us over there and had us for dinner. And their great room called Chromium showed us the Rod Laver racket that they have made. Just awesome place. Midtown Palatine has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock up favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. And there is something for everybody at Midtown, whether you're a single person, married person, with kids. The kids can be there, too. We saw while we're eating at Chromium, a whole family eating a whole meal of food. A whole meal of food. A whole meal of food? Yes. Wow. You know that's from? Old school. Um, can you, would you like to go to, on a date for, for a whole meal of food um, in front of us? I was like, wow, kids are here. That's awesome. And so it's not just a fitness club. To call it just a fitness club is underselling it 100%. So you can go there to be uh, get holistic workouts in there. They have all the equipment that you need, all the Smith machines, the treadmills, the fitness rooms, which I think a couple of our people took a couple classes a couple days ago. I took one, and today – it is Thursday. I don't work out that much, Finney. I don't know if you know that. I did that show. You and me I did, both, Herb. I did that workout Monday morning. Still feeling it right now. Like, if you see me picking up this thing, and I'm just, like, struggling to put it to my mouth, 
that workout, man. I didn't stretch out very well either. But they have that too. They have a spa in the place so you can go and get a massage after you work out really hard so you don't have these problems like I do have right now. They have super luxe locker rooms with wet and dry saunas, premium amenities, amazing outdoor and indoor pools, and hot tubs. A collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week, including in the membership. And it's not gym quality. These spaces are boutique quality. And like I said, they have the arena is one of the rooms they have. Samadhi for their yoga. We went into the Everybody Fights Arena, which is where their boxing takes place. Ride is where their spin classes take place. The field and the theater. The theater is where I took the Les Mills body pump class. Only 45 minutes. Get you right where you need to be. And what Midtown is known for, the tennis courts. Best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddleball. USTA professional quality all the way. Head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and tour the Midtown Athletic Club that is nearest you. Vinny, can you tell us the folks about the great people at FOCO? Herb, that's what I would love to do right now. And you see Herb uh, making Southpaw's head bobble over there. Uh, that great Southpaw bobblehead and more can be found over at FOCO. And, of course, you can use the code CHGO10 for 10% off. You can get fitted in the best sports gear around. They've got hoodies. They've got shoes. They've got signs. They, of course, have the aforementioned bobbleheads, and they have everything in between. It's not baseball season right now, but the holidays are coming up, Herb, Mm -hmm. and the baseball fan in your life is going to want some baseball stuff for when baseball season does roll around. Get yourself a Liam Hendricks bobblehead. You could. You could also get Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you might need for a game. You stock up. You get it all packed away in a nice bag to take, put in your car so that when opening day rolls around and it's undoubtedly snowing at the end of March, you can play bags out in the snow at Guaranteed Rate Field. Uh, we obviously have the set decorations, as mentioned. We have Southpaw. There was a Tim Anderson one around here somewhere. I don't know. Did he get uh, back over there? Is he? Yeah, did his bobblehead go to free agency? He too? got re- relegated. To I the, forgot the, to put him back. But, <laughs> hey. Go show, them for, go show the folks at FOCO some love after they gave us those great set pieces. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. You can use that promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. We didn't get into it specifically. We talked a little bit around it. But if there's a player on this White Sox team that is more likely to get traded besides Dylan Cease, and I'm talking about value you get back, and the player who the White Sox might want to trade away, who would that player be this offseason? In terms of the names that people would most care about, mm-hmm. I think you would be looking at Aloy Jimenez has already been speculated to maybe be of, some, uh, of interest to some teams, as well as Yoan Moncada. Now, obviously, we talked about the hurdles that exist in trading both of those guys. Uh, Aloy Jimenez, uh, in the fact that he's a power hitter that didn't show a lot of power toward the end of last season, is he a guy that is going to get the kind of return package you want after some of those struggles a year ago? Yoan Moncada obviously has the same issue in that he struggled to hit for the better part of the last few years. And on top of that, he makes a whole lot of money, $24 million coming his way in 2024. So the 
matchmaking not might not be super easy for Chris Getz on that front. But if we're talking about someone who isn't Dylan Cease, we've already talked about the enormous return that it's going to take to pry Luis Robert Jr. away from the White Sox. Aloy and Yoan are those guys. But I think that there are players throughout the roster that might fetch you something here, something there. And we saw that with Aaron Bummer. You know, obviously he had a contract, uh, you know, that, that made him uh, – uh, desirable by another team I don't know how many of those guys remain on the White Sox roster but outside of some of those name players it would make sense if you saw maybe some ancillary pieces get moved for something else just to you know perhaps position the White Sox better from a depth standpoint yeah and I think man it's just so hard and I wanted to trade him last year um, when he had a great 2022 at the second half but Aloy Jimenez like if he was anywhere near where his potential was, the White Sox would be holding on to him just like they're holding on to Luis Robert. Right, and, and, and I think, too, that even if they do have their eyes on trading him, which they haven't said that they have, have their eyes on trading anybody, they'll just listen to whatever comes their way, maybe they're better off keeping him and saying, let's see if he can hit 15, 20 home runs before the trade deadline next year. And all of a sudden, his value is way higher than it is right now. I mean, the whole idea of selling low, especially on guys that you've already invested in, is a tricky one to, to, to swallow. And so I think, um, I think Chris Getz will get offers on those guys this year. But as we've mentioned, there's some hurdles to, to getting rid of them and some reasons that you wouldn't want to get rid of them right now. And if you follow the old adage of 27 through 31 are your prime years, he just entered his prime. He turned 27, I think on the 27th so he's a, a young whippersnapper coming into three his, days ago three days ago happy belated Aloy good job Aloy for 2027 you've <laughs> done a good job um that's the only the, that and the potential are the things that you like man if we hold on to this dude and he becomes the guy like we were talking yesterday to Dan Hayes from the twins who uh, from the athletic who covers the twins and talking about Royce Lewis, how he had so many injuries before he finally came up in 2023 and became the player that they always had seen and thought that he was to be. This is what I, the only trepidation I feel about trading away Aloy because he has years to go. I don't think he's free agent until 2027. And so I feel like once you trade him away, some other team gets him and not necessarily they're doing anything right with him or anything like that just naturally figures it out this time of the year he was just going to be good and if you kept him in the White Sox he was going to be good if he goes to another team he might be good so that's the problem with the Aloy Jimenez but also the constant injuries and this year he had injuries but he played through them and he only hit 18 home runs that's the thing that you you fight with yourself when you're thinking about Aloy it's see like I used with the um uh, Dylan Cease, he's more of the enigma where you're like, the talent is through the roof, but also availability is the best ability, and he hasn't been available for the majority of his career, and I can't have that in a team that, you know, it's not going to be competing next year, but you would rather get and jump off that ship a year earlier than a year late. Well, I just, I, and I'll, I'll bring this up again. You brought it up in regards to Cease earlier in the show. There's no rule that says Chris Getz has to trade all these guys this mm -hmm. winter. And there is a universe. Granted, you shouldn't expect that it's going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. But there is a world in which the White Sox don't get the, the 
the return offer that they want for Aloy Jimenez. They don't get the return offer they want for Yoan Moncada. Both these guys are on the team next year. And while White Sox fans, given what has happened to this point, might be counting down to the day they're able to get rid, their team's able to get rid of those guys. What if those guys just are suddenly good? And again, it's just one possibility of many. That's going to But hurt. then all of a sudden, Chris Getz's plan can either be more easily executed or might change for the better. You know, who knows? Maybe maybe Aloy Jimenez plays his way into a long-term plan. Yoan Moncada, who everybody is assuming just because of that price tag, is entering his final year with the White Sox. Maybe he's so good that it's worth picking up that uh, contract option for 2025. Again, these are hypotheticals. I'm not saying you should expect these things to happen. They haven't happened yet. But these guys were invested in in the, in the first place for a reason. You'd like to think that that talent, that ability is certainly still there. What if it happens? What, it, what if the cookie crumbles in a way where it happens and these guys are, are, are finally hitting for the White Sox at the beginning of next season? And as a fan, I think that Chris Getz will get a honeymoon period that might be shorter than a regular first-year general manager will get, but he'll still get a honeymoon period. He, he will? I don't remember Slight. you giving him one. Oh, because I'm a, I'm a jerk. Um, <laughs> but, like, overall fans, I think we'll give him a honeymoon period. Like, if this was Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams again, bringing back the same players like Aloy Jimenez, Yohan Mancada, and, well, Luis Roberts not included. But if he brings back the same team, they'd be like, oh, see, you got that same team. It's garbage. If Chris Getz does that and brings these same guys back and they don't hit, I don't think – the blame will go on him as much as it would have went on Rick and Kenny because of, you know, them having picked these players up and not moving on from these players. I can see Chris Getz feeling like myself and yourself, like once I get rid of these players, they're going to turn into the players that we assume them to be. And with them making so little money and having so much control, especially Aloy, what's the reason for me getting rid of this player? Unless... I'm absolutely wowed by the deal coming back to me, and I got to get rid of him. It's not, like you said, it's not a thing where I got to shed payroll or I got to get rid of this player because the bad clubhouse guy, as somebody says, and as I see as an outside source, he looks like a leader. He looks like when Oscar Colas messes up, he's pulling him to the side and say, hey, this is the thing. Don't do this. You didn't, like, Luis called you off. You kept on running. That can't happen type of thing. And it looks like he's a leader in that clubhouse. I'm not in there, but just from the outside, it looks like he's a good, solid guy who likes to have fun, but it's just hurt all the time. So maybe Chris has his work cut out for him, but I would say, you know, hold water on Aloy Jimenez if you can, unless they're just wowing you with a deal that is way past your expectations. And like I said, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that the plan changes. Those guys could be good at the beginning of next year and just make Chris Getz's life easier in which he can just trade them for a much higher value. Maybe, that, maybe that's the outcome there too. So there's a lot of ways it could go. All right, that is Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Myself, Wall 23 That is Lawrence spelled backwards on Twitter also and all the rest of the socials. Uh, Sarah has been producing us today. Hi. She's been sniffing with a polish remover <laughs> yeah, it's I a would, weird I thing would no, it's that, weird and i guarantee there's people out there that feel the same people way are I weird do. like you yeah. sir i got you there, there's those weird smells tomorrow we will have another guest in studio and just like dan hayes a wealth of knowledge but unlike dan hayes a michigan man a michigan man for life 
Scott Merkin will be joining us tomorrow, having a great time talking about how his cheating ass coach. I'm kidding. <laughs> I won't bring this up to Merk. Yeah, this will be a, this. There's a big, big danger of tomorrow's show just becoming a Big Ten football show. Oh, this is all we're going to be talking about, like in how Harbaugh's going to come to the Bears next year and stuff, and he's going to lose all his marbles. But I wonder if he's going to Indianapolis on Saturday or is he just waiting until the national championship for Michigan Wolverines. But we'll get into that information tomorrow with Scott Merkin, one of my favorite people. We talk off the air off all the time, primarily about Michigan versus Illinois. It's always a dogfight. Um, but join us 3.30 tomorrow. We'll be here. Me, myself, Vinny. I think Sarah will be here as long as she's not sniffing things tomorrow. Well, I have today off or tomorrow oh, off. Oh, no. Yeah. It's Lawrence. I Let's know. Get it. It's Lawrence Benedetto. I get the my day guy. off. The Bears guy, Lawrence Benedetto. It'll be too many Lawrences here. So, for Vinny and Sarah, I'm Herb. See you tomorrow. CHGO White Sox. We all silly like the mayor. 